Portichell Foundation is proud to introduce you to Superior Educator Jamie Pelly from CLK Elementary. Her positivity is infectious and she captures the hearts of everyone she works with. Not only that, she is hardworking, caring, and dedicated to the students. Jamie shines at her job as an interventionalist, teaching students how to read. Her heart is larger than the size of Texas. CLK Elementary is blessed to call Jamie Pelly their own. If you know an amazing educator like Jamie, go to superioreducators.org and nominate them to be recognized as the next Superior Educator. Segment two of Copper Country Today on this Sunday morning, brought to you by the Portage Health Foundation. Learn more about them at phfgive.org. This is uh, Child Sexual Abuse Prevention Awareness Month. Uh, We've been talking about that, and it's such an important topic that uh, having kind of dealt with it a few a couple of weeks ago on terms of the supportive side to help prevent it in the first place i thought we'd take a look at it from the other side what happens if and when it does occur and uh, how might you take some specific preventive measures to stop it from occurring protect your kids against this terrible crime that we just don't seem to be able to get rid of in our society very frustrating on that point so i welcome paige setter hallwalks here she is the sexual assault services coordinator for dial help and also welcome in tammy sleeman who is the new chief of police in hancock welcome to you both and thanks for coming in Thank you so much. I'm so excited. Uh, let's start out with an event because I want to make sure that we get the specifics on this event in, Paige, before we get done with the program. Use, uh, raise awareness for this issue with your annual puppy parade, and that is coming up on the 26th. Yeah, so um, it's also Sexual Assault Awareness Month and Child Abuse Awareness Month, um, and that's something our victim services, we cover both. Um, so we're having the puppy parade on April 26th from 5.30 to 7.30. It's going to be on the Quincy Greens and we're just so excited because it's a huge space. So um, there's going to be lots of room for the dogs. Um, so for those of you who don't know what the puppy parade is, um, I best describe it as it's kind of like a graduation party. Um, people start arriving at 5.30. They come register their dog, get their free bandana, free t-shirt, and free bag while supplies last. Um, look at some resources and talk to some of our community partners who will be there, like Unite and the Barber Kettle Gunlock Shelter, um, along with the Hancock Police. And then they will do the walk through downtown, and um, they can either come back and hang out a little longer, or they can go home. Um, but there's going to be so much room that people are going to be able to watch all the dogs coming in and we're hoping to flood downtown Hancock with teal and puppies. Oh, this would be really cool. Now, we do have to be a little bit judicious mm -hmm. about what kind of dogs are involved. Yes, and I actually brought all the colors with me so I don't mess them up. We are asking that only dogs who have a good history in public come. So, um, you know, for me, I have a dog that I love dearly, but he would start a dog fight, so I do not bring that dog. Um, but so just to quickly go over a couple of the colors, all the dogs will be color-coded with bandanas when they sign in. And this is just so everybody knows um, what dogs you can approach and what dogs need space. So there will be red for dogs that cannot be approached, um, green for friendly, dogs who can totally be approached, um, white if the dog is deaf, blind, or has some um, form of special need, Orange is for dogs who love people, but not so much dogs. That's where my second dog, Gilbert, would lie. <laughs> um, yellow is going to be nervous, no people or dogs. Um, and blue is for training, please ask to approach. And we will have those posted everywhere for sign-in and... Um, yeah, well, and that's really just basic dog etiquette. You yes. don't go up to somebody else's dog and start talking to it mm -hmm. or touching it without talking to the owner first because that's just politeness. 
Exactly. And, you know, we, dogs are so important for emotional well-being and for happiness. And um, a lot of the victims that we work with and survivors, they're not just their dogs, but all of their pets are such a big emotional support for them and how how they heal. So it's so important that we can include the dogs in this kind of event, but it's also really important that we keep them safe. Okay, so this is coming up on the 26th. What time should people get to Quincy Green? Uh, 5.30. If you're volunteering, we're asking, um, depending on your shift, uh, you show up about 15 minutes early, but there's some that'll start earlier. Um, you can check all of this out on our website, uh, dialhelp.org events, and it'll bring you to the run sign up page to sign up for the event and volunteer. All right. And we have details about that posted on our qnrreport.com community calendar. So you can look there if you want to find out what the specifics are. Again, it's coming up on the 26th. So let's talk about, let's talk about the children's aspect of this mm -hmm. first, because that to me is just such a cruel, cruel crime. Um, how much of it do we see in this community? Um, you know, we see as much as other areas. I don't have statistics for you. Um, I apologize. I talk to people. I'm bad with math. But um, we do. Everyone thinks, you know, it's the copper country. We don't have this up here. And I promise we have enough of it. We are really lucky to have a child advocacy center. So um, for those of you who don't know what that is, we we coordinate with CPS, law enforcement, and the prosecutor's office. So the child doesn't have to tell their story so many times. So instead of talking to CPS and then law enforcement and then, you know, Because reliving people, it is sometimes as traumatic as going through it in the first place. It is. There's studies that say that the same chemicals released in your brain at the time of the traumatic incident are released every time you talk about it. Um, and those chemicals can make you feel funny, they can make you feel kind of cloudy, um, all sorts of ways. So for this, for the kid to not have to retell their story so many times, it's really helpful, but it's also a great way so that um, we're making sure that the kids are getting follow-up counseling, other resources they need, um, and we're making sure the parents have all the resources they need as well. Now, Chief Sleeman, when you get a call about something like this, that uh, a child has been abused, a child is in trouble. How do your officers and how do you react to that? Well, very serious for us. Um, and of course, we're going to reach out and they will, um, the child will do a forensic interview. Um, so the officers are not the ones doing the interview. They will go over to um, CPS or um, we will call for victim services to come in and assist. The officer can watch that um, interview from behind a closed area. So the there are professionals who do those type of interviews with young children. Yeah, I would assume this is not the same as interviewing an adult whose purse was stolen. Very different, yes. So, but, but you are trained, you know, your officers are trained, and you know when to involve these professionals. Correct. Um, so we work very closely with them um, on these type of situations. Because I would imagine that, uh, at least in many cases, your office is the first point of contact. It is. Um, and, you know, I, I want to just, we also now have a school resource officer yes. up in, Han in Hancock um, for the high school, middle school, and the elementary school. And I really feel that having him there, um, it's just not about the school, but when when the children start to learn and, and trust in, in Officer Olson, and if there is something going on at home, there's always that possibility that they could open up and even if we save one child, we're doing our job. So I'm really excited about that um, 
opportunity also. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, Hancock has done this. Lake Linden has an officer now online. Uh, I believe Holton is proceeding at least along those lines. I'm not quite sure where they are in the process. Other districts are doing this as well. And this is one thing because not only, I suppose, can they hear about it directly from a student, but maybe they hear it secondhand, at least to the point where they can call back to your office and say, hey, maybe we ought to drive by a couple of times. Maybe we ought to talk to somebody. Exactly. What should somebody do if they think there's something going on? Because this is a touchy thing. I mean, maybe it's somebody in my family. Maybe it's a neighbor and I see or I hear something across the street or something like that. I don't necessarily know what's happening, but it might be a problem. And that's where you need to reach out to the police department and you can remain anonymous. And I have um, experience working with some horrific child abuse cases where neighbors, teachers, um, a lot of people saw things and thought it was off, but they never called to say, hey, this isn't, this doesn't seem right. Call us. You can remain anonymous. Let us do the investigation on it because maybe we're going to stop that before it gets too severe. And unfortunately, in one of the cases I worked in Wisconsin, it, it went way too far. Oh um, so we're here. We'll, we'll take your um, calls. You can remain anonymous. Give that information for us so we can follow through with it. Yeah, let the professionals handle it. And don't worry about the fallout. You'll worry about the fallout. I would rather have somebody call and they think something's off and maybe there isn't anything at all but just having that information i'd rather be safe than sorry and i suppose if it's one of those gray line situations having something on the record is helpful if another call comes in later on absolutely you start to establish some history there so uh, when a child goes into the system after some type of abuse like this page what services do we have available to help put them right again? We have a lot of services. Before I forget though, there is another way to report anonymously and you okay, can do please, that. Please. Oh, you can do that through um, the state of Michigan. CPS actually has a website that you can go to and you can fill out that report. You can also talk to mandated reporters. So that would be somebody like me, crisis lines, um, teachers. Yeah, um, there are people who are legally required to submit that information on medical professionals, mm -hmm. teachers, and such. And so, you know, I've had clients who they weren't quite ready to reach out to the police because, you know, um, but I ended up making the report for them, which is something I, I don't mind doing. Um, but of course, you know, it is best if they can hear it straight from the person who has the information instead of secondhand through me. What if I'm within that family? I'm a brother or a sister. I'm uh, a mother and the dad is abusive or vice versa. Uh, how do you handle that? You know, it really is a case-by-case -case situation. Um, and somebody in that situation is going to know how to keep themselves safe better than me putting out a blanket statement there so okay however Fair they enough. feel safe enough to reach out and do so um that could be a teacher at school that could be the police that could be community advocates um your doctor's office as well um there's a lot of avenues that you could reach out what i'm hearing about is don't be afraid to use a third party mm -hmm. to kind of mask where your origination comes from feel free to mm -hmm. route it through somebody reliable yeah Okay, that, uh, that would take some pressure off some people, I suppose, because, uh, you know, word gets out about these things. You know, Chief Sleeman, you're 
cars pull up at the front door and all of a sudden the gossip is happening, uh, somebody could get hurt from a false accusation, I suppose. Sure, that could, that could happen. Um, but we can also do things where if somebody wanted to meet, we could meet. We don't have to show up in a marked unit. We okay. could come in plain clothes and talk to somebody and bring um, an advocate with us. So yes, we can, we can work around that. How effective is this follow-up treatment, Paige? I have been surprised, and, and uh, it, it started to come out when the Me Too movement started. I was stunned at the number of my friends, women friends on social media, came out and said, I was assaulted as a child. I was assaulted as a young woman. I was stunned by this. How effective, particularly for children, can this follow-up treatment be? Can we erase what happened? You know, I'm going to say you can't really ever erase what happens, but, and again, I don't know statistics off the top of my head, uh, the sooner you can get somebody treatment and mental health care or even just somebody who believes them, the more, um, the quicker they can start healing that process. So I would say the sooner the better you can get in, but it is understandable. So, you know, sexual violence, like you said, there are so many people that you know who just didn't come forward for so many years. Um, a lot of people feel like they can be blamed. They are embarrassed for what happened. And it's so unfortunate that they feel that way because no one should ever have to go through a sexual assault. Like um, I say, I, I was just shocked. Yeah. Uh, one young lady who was in my Sunday school class at church many years ago told how she was sexually assaulted by her boss in an elevator. And I, I, I cried. I mean, this is not supposed to happen. No, and this is how we stop it from happening. This is how we prevent it. We have these conversations and, you know, instead of having a conversation of what do you need to do to keep yourself safe from sexual assault, we really need to turn the conversation into what is consent, um, holding people accountable for when they do sexually assault someone. Um, you know, I talk to kids, I talk to people of all ages, honestly, and a lot of people don't know a lot about consent. Uh, they don't know that asking somebody before you have sex with them is an appropriate thing to do. Um, I think one year we talked about the James Bond's movies and the kisser until she likes it, which um, it's a horrible phrase. And all the only reason why I brought that up is because it's so ingrained in our culture. Well, and that was the way it worked for a long time. There mm -hmm. is this kind of chase and pursuit uh, illusion kind of thing that happens in a lot of courtships and dating situations where one party would like to proceed, the other party is a little bit hesitant and you try to persuade and you push a little bit and you prod a little bit. It's hard to know where that line is with an individual person sometimes. It can be and I'm really glad you brought that up. So um, I, before I came onto this, I talked to all the departments and I said, what are some things that everyone is seeing that you'd want me to bring up and talk about? And coercion is something that comes up a lot, just like what you said is, you know, she, she or he said no, but I'm going to just keep bothering that person until they say yes. If you really love me, you'll... <laughs> that's coercion. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's not a real yes. That's not real consent. Um, I've talked to some people who have gotten 300 text messages in a day, and just to get the text messages to stop, they said, yes, um, I just, I need this to stop. Like, fine, I'll do it. Um, and that's coercion. That's not a real yes. Yeah, that's not a, that's not consent. That's no. bullying. It, it, is. it that, is. That's That's bullying. So if you're in a relationship with somebody, 
it's got to be hard sometimes for both sides to read the other and what their intention is and and, uh, and how how do you make that judgment call that somebody is willing you know i um everyone did you ask point blank you do you, you want to do this you want to do it now you can um you know, I've been with my husband for 10 years and we still get consent. Um, sorry <laughs> if that's a TMI, but it's talking about it is, um, how do I say this? I promise it's not a turnoff that some people maybe think it is. Um, because the first thing somebody's going to say is, well, that's going to be a mood killer, isn't it? It's it's not, honestly. You know, talking about, okay, so you're okay with kissing, but you're not okay with taking your clothes off or um you know, you're okay with having um, regular sex, but you're not okay having other types of sex. Okay, so it, conver uh, conversation is important. Communication is essential here. It is, and even checking in during. Um, you know, I, I used this example, and I got laughed at, but um, it was in front of teenagers, and I said, you know, if you are having sex for, say, 10 minutes, and all of a sudden, that 10-minute mark, you're just like, I, I'm not into this anymore. Um, you can revoke consent at that point in time, and if it continues, then that becomes sexual assault. Okay, so, and, and Chief Sleeman, again, uh, let's bring you back into this. As we talk now about dealing with uh, grown-ups, adults, in these sexual assault situations, how often do departments such as yours get these calls afterward? Uh, the term we used at one point was date rape. You do get them afterwards, and sometimes it's even days later. Um, just people sometimes... Taking that step and even calling law enforcement is really hard. And sometimes, like we had talked earlier, you're victimized all over again every time that you have to tell your story of what happened to somebody else again. And I suppose it is maybe for some, and most in most cases this would be women. I know it doesn't 100% mm -hmm. go out that direction, but in most cases this would be women. I suppose it would be viewed by some women as an admission of failure on their part to control the situation and control their boundaries. And now I'm embarrassed because I let it go too far. There's a lot of emotions that come along with that and, it, and those are truly bad or I was in a, a place I shouldn't have been or maybe I had some alcohol and or did that person feel that I led them on there's so there's all kinds of different emotions you're going through and it's it's not your fault whether you've had a few drinks or you were went back to their residence it's not your fault when you have said no or you didn't want to go any further with something that person, other person, has to respect that. Yeah. Talking with Paige Sutter-Hallwachs from Dial Help and uh, Tammy Sleeman from the City of Hancock Police Department. Uh, you make a good point in regards to the, the, the saying no. Whenever it comes up, it's final. Correct. It's final. Uh, how more difficult is it to deal with a report that comes in a few days later as opposed to one that comes up right away? It, from law enforcement standpoint, it's going to be the evidence and not having a sane exam. Um, so those are important to have. So even if you didn't want to file a police report, going to the hospital, having that sane exam is really important. Um, maybe any evidence, clothing that you've been wearing at the time, being able to have that, and we can always hold on to that until somebody wants to go through with charges. Even if they don't, at least we would have that evidence if we ever ended up in court. So if you're a victim of assault and you don't know what you want to do about it, 
I'm hearing you say that take the first step anyway and you can make a decision ultimately later on? Yes, you can. And in, it, what's really important also is um, from the victim standpoint, you know, sometimes they don't want to report, but they also need to talk to somebody, and that's where victim services comes in, and they, they need to follow through, whether it's counseling. Um, and we also have to remember that if we have somebody out there that did that to you, who else are they doing that to? So there's there will be other multiple victims out there. Yeah, there is a bit of an obligation. I hate to put any any burden on the victim of a, a sexual assault, but there is a little bit of a, uh, an obligation there to make sure that this doesn't happen to someone else. So that that person in that situation, there is there's a lot of guilt and there's a lot of the emotions that that person is going through. Is There's so many. Uh, there is one thing I want to say about that, though, and... I work with so many people who do. They feel like it is their obligation to come forward, but the advocate, so talking as the advocate, if that's not what's going to help your mental health and what help what will help you get through it, your obligation is mostly to yourself and keeping yourself healthy yeah. and being able to continue to be a person. I, I know that sounds kind of simple, but um, that's a phrasing I use. Sometimes I'm just not good at being a person. and But Let's that's the Let's talk about thing. some of the services then that Dial yeah. Help offers after a sexual assault and the first question is do you have to report this sexual assault to the police to be able to take advantage of the services offered by dial help no and it doesn't even have to be a recent victimization if you experience childhood abuse and say you're in your 20s 30s or however old you are um, all of these services are still available to you um, but if we're talking services that are available right after a sexual assault um, you can get a SANE exam done up until 120 hours or five days after the initial incident. And so one important thing is collecting the evidence if that's something you yeah. want. But something that I find even more important is that it's a head-to-toe look over to make sure that you're healthy and that there's no injury because th there can be injury. It's also a way for you to get medication like HIV prep medication like Icentris or Truvada in case you were exposed to HIV. Um, you could get Plan B if there wasn't any form of protection used. You get um, antibiotics that can, um, if you were exposed to chlamydia or gonorrhea, you would yeah. be able to um, be, yeah, be um, because healthy. Because the mental, uh, the mental outcome of this is not the only potential negative outcome. There mm -hmm. can be some long-term physical problems, too. There can, and um, it, it is. It's important to get looked over by a doctor if um the SANE, the SANE exam, I won't lie, it's not a wonderful experience. We do the best that we can between us and the SANE nurses or doctors who are doing them. Um, but you do, it, like we talked about, you have to go over the event of what happened to you. And it is an odd feeling that I, I guess I don't have the words to describe that people have told me that your body is evidence at that point. And actually, that's the name of a really awesome documentary if anyone has HBO. Um, but... Yeah, that is. And another thing to mention is just because you talk to the police doesn't mean that you're filing a report for sexual violence. Um, if you were sexually assaulted, you can talk to the police and not file a report. Um, I, I've worked with a lot of people who did that. They just wanted to talk to the police. They didn't want anything else. If you, if you get that conversation, Tammy, do you keep that 
name if, if they give you a name do you keep that on a little record and say hey you know, uh, you know let's keep an eye out and maybe this guy's name is going to pop up again sometime well yeah and it would be in the report um just because you report it doesn't mean it has to go to the da's office to file charges it's documented we have it and yeah if that name pops up again it'll it would be in our system so even not proceeding might still help get somebody off the street if they're doing this to more than to multiple people exactly so counseling long term page so we have free counseling um, we have a wonderful counselor right now who's taking our um, victims of crime Kim Green uh, she's a master's in social work and um, yeah so we have a free counselor available um, she's absolutely wonderful for long term we help people so after a sexual assault, your life can just, a lot of things can happen. You know, you could lose your job, you could lose your housing. Um, it could just be hard to go to your job and it could be hard to keep paying your bills because you need to spend extra time to take care of yourself. And those are all things that we can help with. Um, I've helped people find new housing, new jobs. Uh, I've helped people set up appointments at the health department because they have a really awesome uh, sliding fee scale program for uh, women's health. Uh, STI testing, um, plant uh, birth control, and all those yeah. really wonderful things. So. Yeah, uh, we've got to wrap this up. Mm -hmm. But Paige, if somebody is listening to this and saying, "Gee, that's me. I've just gone through it, or I went through it recently," how did they get in touch with you to get this help started? So give our crisis line a call, um, or you can go to dialhelp.org, and we have an online chat function. Uh, you can even text us. I'm a little embarrassed. I did not put the phone number in front of me. That's it. It's okay. going to be on the website. You are wonderful. Thank you. <laughs> go, go to the website. And uh, Chief Tammy Sleeman and Paige Setter-Hallwalks, thank you for your insights on Copper Country today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.